Hello everyone, another episode of Developer Advocate Stories, uh, where we talk with developer advocates from all around the world. And uh, with me, as always, Amit. How are you, Amit? Good, how are you? Very good, very good. And you took the, your second uh, uh, vaccine today, right, Amit? Yes, yes, you can see maybe the blush on my face. <laughs> Yeah, I was talking before to Jason that uh, he also uh, took the, the first one. I also took the first one today, but uh, this is not a, a COVID-19 talk. Uh, Jason, if you can uh, introduce yourself, please, to our audience. Sure. So my name is Jason Nobis. Uh, I'm a developer advocate at Red Hat, uh, focusing on our uh, OpenShift product. Um, how much of an intro do you want? Do you want any kind of my background? Yeah, yeah, feel free. Yeah. So been in this role for about four years now. Um, prior to that, I've done my entire career in development, um, primarily uh, Python guy these days, although I spent about half that time in Java. Um, so I, I definitely have a developer background. I, I cut my teeth there before moving over to this developer advocacy role. Awesome. Yes, um, Jason, can you tell us a little bit about uh, your work? Uh, also, for those who don't know the company, the things that you do, uh, tell us a little bit about the product. Sure, sure. So uh, Red Hat as a company, people likely the first thought is Red Hat Linux, and that's still a very big deal to us. Um, OpenShift is our container orchestration orchestration platform is probably the, the quickest way of describing it. Um, if you're familiar with Kubernetes, uh, build it up. Containers, if you're not familiar, are a way of packaging your application with all of its dependencies. Um, if you're thinking virtualization, you're on the right track, but there's no hypervisor layer. It's much um, uh, lighter weight. So instead of dealing in tens of virtual machines, on, uh, you're looking at hundreds of containers that could be running in the same level of hardware. Um, to all, all that value of containers is difficult when you figure you have to take these hundreds and actually make sure they're running and deploy them correctly and have them interact. So there's projects out there, uh, the biggest being Kubernetes for how do we orchestrate these containers? And I tell Kubernetes, I want you to make me five containers of this image go. And it takes care of building them out. OpenShift is built on top of Kubernetes where we add in the Red Hat hardening on top of an upstream project kind of thing we're used to. Um, but on top of that, we add in our certified products. So integration with things like Istio for service mesh and Tekton for pipelines, uh, and then a bunch of developer tools, uh, Odeo for command line stuff and code ready workspaces as an in-browser IDE. And I know I'm vomiting out a whole bunch of names, but the concepts are the important part there. All of the extra pieces you would imagine that go into running a containerized application handled through OpenShift for you. Okay. And, and what really, uh, Jason, you, you, you told us that you were a developer. How did you reach uh, this developer advocate uh, role? So it's it's funny because it was you and I were talking about this ahead of time. You, you half jokingly said if you accidentally fell into it, and I kind of accidentally fell into it. Um, I, uh, in addition to being a developer, I'm an adjunct professor at Villanova University. I teach software engineering and I teach senior projects. A friend of mine at Red Hat, who is in our cloud platforms business unit, uh, reached out to me a couple of years ago, four years ago, and said, literally, what are you doing these days and are you happy? Uh, and at the time I was a developer on OpenStack and I was okay with it, but I was like, you have my interest. What, what is this that you're coming to me with? 
Um, I'd never really known anything outside of the developer world. I knew developers, QA, product managers, and that was about it. So he partially pitched it as you can learn the business side of things. You can see more of the company and the industry than you have in the last 15 years of your career. Part of it was he approached me because it's my skill set with teaching, but also that's my interest level. Like he knows that if I'm spending my nights dealing with college students, um, I'm likely into this kind of thing. Uh, and uh, so started talking to him, moved over into the role and found that I like it a lot more than I would have thought I did. So four years ago, I was not sitting there going like, you know what, I really need to talk to more people. Um, once I started, I, I enjoy it. And, and you know, we, we talked a bit about the pandemic at the start of it, but one of the things I'm missing, and I suspect we're going to go back to this, is that face-to-face -face interaction or having the actual conversations. I'm tired of talking into the void of this stupid web camera, but um, yeah, it, it was a role I didn't really know existed until someone reached out knowing my interests were software, obviously, but also the teaching aspect of it and kind of the, the presenting and showmanship. Great, and uh, and uh, if you take a look at you know at uh, your day to day, maybe uh, Jason, uh, what uh, what do you do? What you are expected to do? Yeah, day to day. What I one thing I love about this role is it varies pretty greatly from day to day. Um, a fair amount of my time is spent preparing demos and giving presentations. Um, I, uh, which is cool because uh, it's nice because you get to be sloppy. You don't have to productize something. It doesn't have to live past the demo. So I'm able to look at the code I write and be like, wow, this falls apart if you do X, Y, and Z. I'm not going to do X, Y, and Z in my presentation. And that's totally fine. Yeah. Uh, so there's definitely a brainstorming aspect of, okay, I have an idea of what I want to talk about. How do I make it interesting? Um, there's been, I've done a talk where I've connected a Philips Hue light bulb to um, OpenShift and use it to demonstrate user load. So Philips Hue light bulb can change to 16 million colors they claim, and each user would change the, the light bulb to a different color, and that's how I was showing different things in terms of scaling. Uh, I did another talk where I um, modernized old um, 1980s, 1990s hacker type movies uh, into modern technology using containers and OpenShift. So there's the technology, there's a learning aspect of it. There's always new stuff coming. There's things I need to learn more about. There's the creative aspect where I sit down and, and both of those talks I came up with at the same coffee shop, again, back when I used to go to coffee shops. And it was literally a day of, I'm like, all right, all right, today my whole plan is I'm gonna sit and think about stuff. And that's it, I've got my notebook and I sit there and I just kind of scribble down ideas. Um, and that is extremely rewarding, but also like any kind of creative endeavor, very frustrating when you're like, all right, I spent four hours and I don't have anything to show for it. Um, but there's also a fair amount of uh, self-serve content creation. So uh, I thankfully like to write, which has been very beneficial in this role. So blogs and articles and things like that. Um, we maintain um, the self-service scenarios people can run through. So these 15-minute self-driven tutorials, so it's writing those. Um, it's a very big variety. And there's a lot of open room for 
um, you know, it's not, again, I come from a deaf background. So I used to go into work, I see the burn down chart or the backlog and I just pick things off and do them here. There's a lot more open time where it's like, okay, how do I best make use of it to come up with something new or identify what's going to, what needs to be done. And it's both amazing for that and difficult for that. When you just hit this block and you're like, I got too much going on. I can't really, really think straight right now. Right. <laughs> Awesome. Um, another question that we ask usually is, uh, do you have any interesting stories from your career or any advice can be both uh, to those who listen? Sure, I'm going to do both. Um, so stories wise, it's not even a terribly interesting story, but my favorite um, the thing I've done in this job is I presented at a conference called uh, Dev One, November of 2019. Um, and it was in a, a theater in, um, my God, I'm completely black where it was, not Ohio, uh, Detroit. Um, and, uh, it was on, on a stage and, uh, like the, they had smoke and they had like lasers for us and this really nice intro and like, in a nerdy way, this was the coolest I've ever felt because like I came out on stage and there was smoke effects and I'm like, let's be honest, I'm not a rock star, but you know, if a nerd can feel cool for a day, that was awesome. Um, and that's where I did that movie demo. And it was really fun because uh, I got the, I initially showed um, some scenes from certain movies just to kind of orient people, but then I had them shouting out the names of the movies. And then I would throw t-shirts at the loudest ones because when I was a kid, my dad would take me to computer shows and it was those type of situations, like the loud person got the t-shirt. And as a 16 year old, I'm like, all right, this is what I'm doing, I'm collecting t-shirts. So I had fun being able to bring that back. And that was really fun because I went first, which meant the rest of the day, I was talking to people about what I showed and stuff. And it was just an amazing conference, about three, 400 people. Um, and it was just so, it was fun. Like I said, it was, it was just high energy with the smoke and lasers and stuff and everyone was super into it. Um, but the tip, I, I, I really, it's important to me to always be able to stress this tip to everyone is to avoid burnout or, or to be cognizant of burnout. Um, I'll, I'll make this super quick, but the story I always tell was um, my daughter was four, my son was about six months old uh, I was still on development team, so not exactly advocacy, but I could still see it applying. And we were at an amusement park for her birthday and my wife and her were off playing in like the, um, it was a water park area. My son was sleeping in his stroller and I was completely annoyed because my phone was getting bad coverage and I was worried about something going on at work that I didn't want this decision to go a certain way. And I was completely annoyed. And I stepped back and I looked at my six month old son um, sleeping in the stroller. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, why am I, I'm not, you know, appreciating my four-year-old daughter playing at her birthday. I'm not hanging out with this amazing little six-month-old potato just sitting in the stroller. And that was the turning point for me where I started to under, really understand work-life balance is a thing. And that the work is rewarding and important and, um, valuable, but it's nothing compared to the family time. Um, and since then, uh, I've definitely kept a focus of, okay, 5.30 p.m. is quitting time at work, 
uh, I'll come back if I need to, but that's dinner with my family. That's important to me. And then, you know, play with the kids, they go to bed, and then I can come back and address something if I need to. So um, in terms of tips to not just developer advocates, but to anyone watching this, uh, it's take care of yourself. Uh, and it's, it's very hard to see that before it becomes a problem. You know, I, I tell that story and it doesn't fully resonate until it hits you yourself. But I've had people come back to me and be like, oh my God, I thought of that when I was, you know, obsessed with something at work or I was checking email at like two in the morning or something like that. So um, keep, keep a healthy balance. The work is fun and interesting and, you know, make sure you understand in your own head what's important to you and then work toward that. Uh, I, I think, uh, Jason, that is the best tip uh, that we, we got in, uh, in this uh, show. Uh, I can say for myself that I'm a workaholic uh, and I work all the time. And I, yeah, I, I still uh, make myself take my kid uh, to the, uh, she's almost uh, seven. I think that I took the 98% uh, of my life because that was important. And, and also yes. I also try to uh, take a break, be with them. And yeah, we can work uh, after that all night long. Uh, I also repeated uh, it again, so uh, it won't, <laughs> you know, run out uh, from my head. And yeah. that's a great point. You do have to work at it. Like, it's just like, you know, exercising or playing a sport that you physically learn the muscle memory. I've learned mental muscle memory is a thing, too, that it'll slip after a couple of weeks. And all of a sudden, I'll step back and be like, hang on, get into a bad place again. Um, so I appreciate it. And I suspect, you know, you very quickly had your own instance of it. I suspect a lot of people listening are going to sit back and be like, oh, crap. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So really thank you, uh, Jason, for your time, uh, your, the, the knowledge that you share, and also the tip. Uh, and Amit, uh, last word. Uh, I'm really, I'm also connected to the, the last point of staying healthy. I also had uh, my own story with uh, some eye disease. So I can tell you that, yeah, from my side also, uh, this is a great message. And uh, yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, thank you guys. I appreciate the opportunity. It's really fun speaking to you guys. Yeah. Thank you very much, Jason. Uh, thank you very much, Amit, and uh, to all of our listeners. If you want to uh, recommend on uh, someone else that uh, you want us to interview, uh, please contact us, share us, and uh, thank you again. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank, thank you. you.